shouldn't have received communion elements when you came in. If you didn't, we have some people who would be happy to serve you. If you didn't get one, just slip your hand up. They'll get you one. Um, every fifth Sunday, we are able, we, we come together and we commemorate what Christ has done for us. And so we don't take this lightly. Um, this is one of the most sacred acts of worship. And I, I share with our church every time we do this, uh, Christ only commanded the church to observe two sacraments, or two, two ordinances. One of them is baptism, which we'll be doing soon. And the other one is to receive the Lord's Supper. Uh, and what people don't, many people don't understand, and some people do, is that communion didn't start with the New Testament. Actually, um, when God was bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, um, he instructed them to do certain things, and it was called Passover. And they began to observe the Passover meal together. And so basically, as Jesus is getting ready um, to depart from this earth, and he's having a meal with his friends, what he does, and this is amazing, it's revelation um, to us, is he actually explains what they were doing the whole time. He, as they observe a Passover meal, watch this, they observe the Passover meal, Jesus says, this is what this truly means. All this time, this is what it represents. It represents what I'm going to do at the cross of Calvary. And so he says, look, all you've been doing, all you've been observing in your religious um, uh, services up to this time, now I'm going to show you what it truly means. And so he said, uh, while he was alone with his disciples, he said, this is the cup. Or he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he told them to do this in remembrance of me. And as long as you do it, you observe uh, my death until I come. So understand this. Take a minute before we break the bread to just ask God to forgive you of anything in your heart and your mind that um, maybe wouldn't be pleasing to him. And we want to receive this uh, with the right heart today. But no. I came up with, you know, they had mothers in the church and they had those old believing mothers and, you know, they say, you know, people, they tell you, you know, don't take communion lightly because, you know, people got healed in the midst of a communion service as they were receiving it. And, and I, I called my dad and I asked him, I said, dad, did, uh, did you really, did people really get healed while they were taking communion? I said, did people really get set free while they were doing it? He said, yes, son, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw people get set free. In this time, so whatever you believe in God for, whatever you're trusting God for, don't take this time lightly because His broken body—it was broken not just to be broken, but it was broken for you and it was broken for us. So we take this bread now, Lord, and we observe all that You've done for us. Eat ye all of it. And the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, that there could be no remission of sin. The blood that he shed, isn't it powerful to know that the blood that he shed, he shed for every mistake, every sin, every failure, everything we should, shouldn't have said and did say, everything that we should have said and didn't say, everything that we did, we did and shouldn't have done, everything that we didn't do <laughs> and should have done. Um, he shed his blood for us so that we could have a right to the tree of life and a relationship with him. So this time, as you observe um, the cup, drink all of it at this time. Father, we thank you for the healing and the freedom that takes place through observing of the Lord's Supper. We believe you for miracles and testimonies even to come this week as we've obeyed your word. We've obeyed what you've told us to do. Thank you most of all for the most precious gift of eternal life, that because of your cross and because of you being uh, beaten and, and, and broken for us, Lord, that we could have an eternal relationship with you. And we give you praise for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll find somebody to just high five them before you uh, sit down. And we want to get right into uh, the word. Let them know you're glad they're here and, and actually say it like you mean it. I mean, look at them and, you know, smile and just say that you're glad that they're here. Mm, 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 mm. All right. It's so good to be in the presence of God today, and I want to continue this series on direction. I was sharing with the team earlier today during the huddle. I said that um, I thought I was going to preach one thing uh, this Sunday, and then 
Um, I had finished that message. And I said, well, Lord, maybe I feel like you, you're kind of taking me a different direction. So got a second message together, thought I was finished with that. And then the Lord said, no, I don't want you to, to deal with that. I want you to deal with something else today. So I want to um, to help us this morning. And I may not scream and shout, but I just want to share uh, some things that I think will help us today where the body of Christ is, where you may be um, as an individual. It's not often that I'm, I'm, I'm that arrested with a topic that I need to completely shift, I think, from where we were going, but I feel led to do that uh, today. How many of you know that, there, that, that bad things do happen to good people? I mean, how many of you know that, that um, in this world you will experience things that are unpleasant? You'll experience things that, that you can't explain. And, and, and I think what we've done, and I think many pastors and leaders have to apologize and repent to the people, and, and, and it's been well-meaning because what we've done is we've said, come, come, come to church and everything will be okay. We've said, come to God and everything's going to be fine and everything's going to work out the way you want it to, and we have to own the reason that some people can't handle the tests and the trials that they're going through. Yes, we're responsible for our own relationship with God, but I think that in some cases, the church has been guilty of false advertising. And what I mean by that is we have presented something that isn't gospel, it isn't Bible, it isn't scripture. We've said, come to God and be fulfilled, but he says that my gospel is not a gospel of self-fulfillment, but a gospel of self-denial. That's why the first thing he says, if you want to follow me, you must do what? Deny yourself. It's the very first thing. If you can't even get past that, it's going to be hard to access the kingdom of God and the truths of God's word. That's why John, when he came preaching, the Bible says that his message was, watch this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, turn around, change your mind because the kingdom of God is at hand. So in order to really experience the relationship with God, experience what God wants to do in your life, there has to be a change of mindset. And just to prove that John was right, when Jesus showed up on the scene, the message didn't change. He showed up, he was baptized, he said, uh, repent for the time the kingdom of God is at hand. And we hear that word repent and we we think about going somewhere, getting on our knees and crying for years about the things that we've done wrong when the word actually just means we have to change our mind. We have to turn around. How many of you know there's some things that you will not receive from God unless you change your mindset, unless you change the way you think because God is constantly trying to get truth to us, but it's just like trying to get vegetables in a baby that loves candy. They reject it over and over again. And, and I feel sometimes it is that way with the truth of God's word um, is that he begins to teach us. He begins to want to impart things to us, but our system rejects it because it's used to candy. It's quiet in here, but it's true anyway. We're used to um, fluff and God has got the church, whether you realize it or not, in a season where he's starting to strip the fluff so that we can hear the truth of what he's actually saying. And so I began to wrestle with, with this because people have real questions. If I'm praying, if I'm seeking the face of God, if I'm trying to live my best for God, why am I going through what I'm going through? You ever sit there and say, why is life so hard? Why is my mind so messed up? Why is my heart in, in turmoil so much? Because I've been told for years, hey, if you just live for God, it'll be all right. And, and, and it will be all right, but not in the sense that it's been presented to you. <laughs> You know, how many of you know there's some things that you ever been through a trial or test a long time? I'm not talking about a short one that went like a week or, or, or a day. I'm talking about something that went on for months and years and you didn't really see um, an end in sight. And so I want to share with you uh, this, this thought today, the purpose of my pain. The purpose of my pain. See, when we have to know, if we don't know as children of God that there is purpose in our pain, watch this, as, as holy as you are, you'll give up right before your breakthrough. If you don't understand that there's, a, there's something behind, is, is there anybody in this church today that, that's been through something? If, if someone could just tell you, there's hope in my storm, there's hope in my struggle, there's a reason behind why I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with, I can go on another day. Forget trying to go on another month, I just need hope to go on another day. And see, if we're honest, if we're honest, some of us, we don't always talk about the things that we go through, but, but inside we're saying, if somebody just pushes me one more time, that's it. We smile, we shake hands, we kiss the babies, but inside, if someone criticizes me one more time, I'm going to break. If I get rejected one more time after I've tried to do my best, I'm going to give up. 
And I want us this day to realize that there is purpose in what you're going through, even if you don't understand it yet. Here's what I realized. Here's, here's what I realized. And we're going to learn this even from the scriptures. When you're going through a serious test in your life, you don't need an opinion from man. You need a word from God. The days of people coming in and getting a self-help talk about how to get uh, five steps to a miracle and six steps to a breakthrough and 25 steps to your millions, that's over. Because you don't need the opinion of man. What you need in the midst of what you're dealing with, you need to hear only the voice of God. How many of you, God is only, he's the only one who can really speak to you in your storm anyway. How many of you, you, you ever sit there and, and I'm going through so much and you look, I'm just tired of hearing what you think about it. I don't want to hear what you think about it anymore. All I want to know, what is God saying about this? What is God saying? Because God is the only one that can push you and take you from where you are to where you're going through. Say there's purpose in my pain. Say it like you mean it. There's purpose in my pain. My only hope at the end of this is that you don't give up. I want, to, I want to cheat and go to the end of the movie here today and tell you that the purpose, the whole purpose of this message is that God become big in your eyes, your relationship with God grows stronger, and that you don't quit. If you don't quit, then this is a win for God today. And so here's what the Word of God says about your test. I want you to see this because he's talking to you. He says, dear friends, that's you. If you have made a relationship with God, if you trust Jesus as your Savior, he's talking to you through these verses. And he says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that you're going through. Hmm. We could stop there, right? How many of you got blindsided by something you weren't expecting? How many of you got, you, you know, everything was going well, everything was going smooth, and all of a sudden you got sideswiped by someone you thought you trusted? Someone you thought would never let you down? You got a doctor's report you weren't expecting? You got some news on the phone? Your whole day was going fine, and all it took was one phone call to turn everything around. I'm talking to you today. He says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that you're going through. Is there something strange were happening to you? Listen, if you are a child of God, being tested is not strange. I, I, I have to help you here. I know you don't want to hear that, but going through the fire and going through, he doesn't just say it's a test. He says it's a fiery trial. You know what that means? That means it hurts. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer, but I'm hurting. Because what I'm going through is fiery and it's hard. But God says, don't think that something strange is happening to you. And just like he does from Genesis to Revelation, he asks us to do something that makes absolutely no sense. God ever called you to do something that didn't make sense? You had in your own mind, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it my way. And he says, no, I want you to do this. Well, I'm going to tell you the instruction that he gives you here makes absolutely no sense based on the beginning of this text. He says, instead, be very glad. Wait a minute. The doctor just told me that. And you're trying to tell me, be glad. My wife just left me and you're saying, be glad. My husband cheated on me. You're saying, be glad. Instead, be very glad. Why? Because these trials make you what? Partners with Christ. I want a relationship with God. I want all God has for me. I just want Jesus to be seen in me. Okay? For these trials make you what? Partners with Christ in his suffering. And here's what happens. And this is where the church has gotten it partially right. What we've said is, you know what? We're going to celebrate with Jesus one day. But let me tell you, that celebration has a little bit of a cost because that means that you also participate in his sufferings. How many of you have ever had nails driven through your hands? Had a crown of thorns placed on your head for something you didn't do? None of us. But we have our participation in the life of Christ through some of the things that we go through that are hard. And here's what happens. He says, so that you will have the what? Hmm. The wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. What you'll find in any level of relationship is that people want the good stuff. How can I prove it to you? When people walk down the aisle, right, they go through these vows, and what do they say? For better 
or for worse. And so each of us leave that day saying, thank God for the better headed to the hotel. (laughs) And then when the worst comes, we don't want anything to do with it. First time there's an argument. Come on. Anybody in here? It's just me. First time it's an argument. I don't know if I picked the right person. He like his food fried and I like it grilled. <laughs> Y'all can laugh. It's okay. Just, just sprinkling a little bit in there because this mess is a little heavy. My test might be a surprise to me, but it's never a surprise to God. Remember, I said I want God to become bigger in our minds. It hit us by surprise, but it never hit him by surprise. And so what you need to understand, and as we explore the character that we're looking at today, what you need to understand that is he allows you to go through something. That means that he trusts, watch this, not you. He trusts his own ability to bring you through it. There's a difference because how many of you know you, get to, you can go through stuff so much that you don't even trust you? Like, be real. I'm saved, but I don't know if, what I would do in this situation. Let me say it how I said it. They got one more time. You ever said that to something? You know what? They got one more time. That's it. They got one more again. (laughs) Oh, man. My test may be a surprise to me, but it's never a surprise to God. When I'm going through a trial, I need to understand what it is that's actually being tested. If you don't understand what's being tested, you'll, you'll throw in the towel. I want you to be bold because you're not going to be, I guarantee you won't be embarrassed if you're honest. How many of you would be honest and admit I was close to throwing in the towel? Like, uh, I, I, I love God, but look, I'm done. Right? But I need to understand, to keep me from doing that, I need to understand what's actually being tested. If I understand what's actually being tested, I'll be able to move on in the things of God. First Peter 1.7 says this. He said, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. How many of you know you want to be around something that's real? You ever get around something and you can see the superficiality through it? Like you can see through it. Like you can see, look, this is, this is not even real. It's fake. This is a, a facade. It's an illusion. These trials will show the genuineness of your faith. It is being tested as fire, watch this, take notes, tests and does what? Purifies gold. Here's what happens. Can I teach this for a minute? When When you test metal and you put it through the fire, what happens is that the dross and the impurities rise to the top. This is very unpleasant. And this is why people get, this is one of the, 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 side issues why people give up because in the midst of our own tests, it's not other people's uh, impurities and flaws that show up, it's our own. And so we don't, what, what, and what it's supposed to do, it's not supposed to lead us to self-condemnation, it's supposed to lead us to dependence on God. Have you ever seen your own jacked up self in the presence of God and say, you know what, God, I need mercy. That's the only thing that's going to help me. And just like that, just like that pressure, he loves you enough to put you through the fire. Because he trusts his own ability. Watch this. He He trusts his own ability to preserve you. You're the gold, but he said, I need to allow you, allow you to go through something so that the things that I don't want in there rise to the top. Now, let me say something else. Because when you There's only two ways to get rid of impurities or dross. Either you scrape them off or you melt them off. You ever had to scrape off a scab? Anybody? It's not always pleasant, is it? And sometimes you bleed a little bit, and I'm not trying to be gory. I'm just telling you that the unpleasant part of what you're going through is only temporary. There's a scraping process, but it's not permanent. It's only temporary. And sometimes you got to go through, watch this, you got to go through the fire so that you know who doesn't belong with you. Some people are with you as long as everything is going well, but you, sometimes you got to go through things to find out, hey, they weren't really with me. I believe uh, John said it like this. He said, they went out from among us. 
so it could be seen that they were never really with us to begin with. In other words, you've got to go through some things so you can find out who it actually is that's really with you. See, a person can be with you when you do everything they want, but make a, make, make a mistake. Let them see a flaw. Let them see a weakness and see if they, they still uphold you and support you if they run away from you and talk about you. I need to finish this verse. <laughs> so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you what? Much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Trials prove that the faith we profess is authentic, not superficial. It proves that it's authentic. Our response to testing must bring glory to God. And so I, I said all of that as introduction to go through this next part because you're like, man, that's the introduction, man, Pastor. I hope you you about winding this up here soon. No, listen, it, it won't be that long. <laughs> but our response to testing must bring glory to God. And so there's one person, and we've all heard of him, and his name was Job in the Bible. And Job is, is used as a picture of suffering, as a picture of going through it, as a picture of, of not not having answers to why he was going through the tests and the trials that he was facing um, in his life. But what he does show us is how to go through it. And that's what I want you to see at the end of this. How do I endure a test I don't understand? I want that to sink in for a minute. How, how do I endure a trial I don't understand and one that I didn't cause? You ever had somebody do something to you and you don't even know why? Years ago, you still don't know why. They burned you, you don't know why. They hurt you, you don't know why. They pierced your heart, and you still have no, no clue why they did it. You feel like, I did everything right, I lined up everything right. Why am I dealing with this God? Job's response to, to, to I got to summarize this because the story is just too long. But Job, basically there's a, a, a meeting in heaven. And Satan shows up. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And he starts to talk about Job. And I'll read the verse and talk about how Job is, he fears God. He's not uh, moved by evil. And he basically, Job did everything right. And Satan basically says, Job only serves you because you haven't touched his stuff. You blessed him with things. He didn't have worries about bills or, or cares about anything like that. So Tell you what, God, take away his stuff, and I promise you he'll curse you to your face. This is what Satan says to God. And God's response to this is interesting. Go study it on your own time. See, Satan wanted God to mess with Job, and God said, you know what? Everything he has is in your hands. In other words, I'm not going to touch him, but I give you permission to. Here you go. Touch his stuff, but I'm going to put limits on you. You can't touch his life. You need to understand this. This isn't part of the notes. Satan, listen to me, Satan has limits. That's, that should be profound revelation and encouragement to you. He's not run, I don't care what you feel like, he is not running roughshod over your life. He has limits. He cannot ever go past the permission of God. I don't know what you're going through, but this ought to bless you. Because he said, it, God said, you can touch his stuff, but you can't touch him. So, in a matter of a few moments, Job loses his family, he loses his children, he loses his house, he loses his stuff. Kind of makes us getting talked about and criticized not seem that bad. But he touches all of his stuff. And so he's, you ever have one of those days that you have bad news, one thing after the other, one thing after the other, one thing after the other. That's what Job is going through here. One person says, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this, but it's kind of funny because in the text, basically, it says the guy who brings Job the news, it's the same way all the time. He says, I'm the only one left to come give you bad news. How many of you, you get frustrated when the only person that talks to you all day and the word they bring you is not encouraging? <laughs> this is what it is right here. He's like, okay, um, hey, Job, lightning fell from heaven. Your cattle are dead. Your children are dead. Their stuff is destroyed. Your, your, your stuff is destroyed. I alone am left to come tell you this. Look at Job's response. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. Where does your test drive you? Does it drive you to God or away from God? 
The Bible says that Job went through all of this, but it drove him not to the enemy, but it drove him to worship. My pain should drive me to worship. Y'all missing this? Because when we go through, a, you, know what we, you know what we do when we go through something? We, we gossip, we complain, we go, we go tell everybody else but the one who can fix it. But in the midst of Job's pain, in the midst of his struggle, it says that he fell to the ground and he worshiped. Listen to what he said. I came naked from my mother's womb. I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. The Lord has taken it away. Praise, watch this, praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Now, this is deep, but you got to understand this. The Bible says Job didn't sin by blaming God. Had he said, in other words, he said he didn't say God did this. He had enough inside to realize, well, maybe God allowed it, but he didn't blame him. You ever been going through so much, you're like, God, you must hate me. A few real people in this church, I see nothing. That God, God, come on, like when is enough enough, you know? And, but God never asks us, watch this, and this is where we have to be um, important. It's important for us to understand as a family of God. God never asks us to ignore our grief. We just can't get consumed by it. And so what we've done is we've told people, ignore the fact that this upsets you. Ignore the fact that, that this is hard. Ignore this. You can't, you, you know what, at some point you're going to go through something and your real emotions are going to come out. But you can't get consumed by what's trying to consume you. This is why it's important that when we go through something that our response be appropriate because if it's not, the enemy's plan will overtake us and we become directed by our distractions. We come directed by our disappointment. We come directed by our dissatisfaction when we should be directed by our worship. When we're tested severely, we must offer praise, not blame. All of this makes no sense. How do I do that, Pastor? God, I don't know why this is happening, but I praise you anyway. I don't praise you for what I have, but I praise you for who you are. I know that you're bigger than my problems, God. I give you praise. I feel like I'm losing everything and everything's going out of control, but God, I worship you anyway. I don't know why the doctor called me and told me it's getting worse and not better, but God, I worship you because you're a healer, you're a way maker. In the midst of my storm, in the midst of my struggle, you're able to bring me to my sunshine. God, I'm crying right now, but weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That's, that's how we do it. You don't have to know the whole thing, but you got to get a few. Because, the en listen, the enemy's going to talk to you, and if you don't know what God is saying, the enemy's voice is going to be a whole lot louder. I don't need the opinion of man. I need a word from God. Say, I need a word from God. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery, as he sat among the ashes, his wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. His own wife said, walk away from your commitment to God. Job stinks. He's got boils all over his body. He has, he, he's the person that if people are real, they don't ever want to be around. All us good Christians wouldn't say it, but some of us are like that. We see somebody don't look like us, don't act like us, don't have it all together. We don't want to be around them. And Job's friends were foolish. They said a lot of dumb things, but watch this. At least they wanted to be around them. But his wife says, curse God and die. Listen, listen to what Job said. Some of us would like to say that to our wives. <laughs> Not me. Some of us, a pastor said, well, he went, no, no, that wasn't me. Don't try and put that on me. I'm talking about y'all. <laughs> he said, you talk like a foolish woman. You imagine that? Foolish woman. Then before she get ready to slap, you say, no, that's in the word. <laughs> you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job did not say anything wrong. Watch the same, the same pattern we find here. First it said Job didn't sin and he didn't blame God. In this text it says he said nothing wrong. The enemy wants to steal your confession. He want, if he can get you to say something that doesn't line up with God's word, he considers it a win. 
That's why he pressed you so hard because he knows when I press, this is why we have to have word in us because when we get pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed, whatever is in, whatever is in you is coming out. That's the reality. If you got a bottle of grape juice and squeeze it, carrot juice isn't coming out. If, you're, if your mind and your heart is, 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 is a vessel of complaining and blaming and lying and, and all of this, when you get squeezed, guess what's coming out? God doesn't need to use affliction to teach us what his word will teach us. Why do I have to say this? Because we say God is doing this to me. According to this text, it's not God who's doing it. It's the enemy who's doing it. But God is, God is allowing it for a greater cause. So God doesn't need to use the affliction. If you stop blaming God, God didn't put that sickness on you. I'm sorry. He didn't do it. He didn't. That's not word. You can't find it anywhere. But he's great enough to allow it because he's big enough to heal it. Oh, man. I preached to myself today. Our test is more often than not an attack on the character of God rather than our own character. How do you know that? Because all Job, all Satan wanted Job to do was curse God. So what we don't understand in our flesh sometimes is that there's something going on behind the scenes spiritually that we have not been privy to. In other words, we don't have inside information. Job does not know anything about Satan attacking him. He doesn't know anything about the conversation going on. All he knows is I'm going through what I'm going through. But the enemy wants us to believe that we're tested because we've done something wrong. And this is where we get buried. God, I'm going through it because of mistakes I made 10 years ago, 15 years ago, two weeks ago, last night. But I want us to get set free that a lot of the tests that we're going through have nothing to do with something we did wrong. Matter of fact, it's possible that you're going through something because you did something right. I know we don't want to preach that today. We don't want to hear that today. But the reality is, because some of us say that, okay, well, I need to do more wrong so I can stop being in this fire. <laughs> Job didn't do anything wrong. How do you know? Job 1.1 tells us that there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of us. He was blameless and a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Job 1.8 says, then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Let's keep going. Job 2 verse 3 says, then God said to Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man on the earth. You see a pattern here? So clearly he's not going through it for something he did. Because his character is right. This needs to free somebody. Stop going home and blaming yourself, saying it's because of the mistakes you made and the things you did and the things you messed up years ago. This test may just be because you're trying to live right. I know it's not popular. I, I, I know. I know it's not popular, but it's right. My grandmother used to say, Shannon, it's tight, but it's right. They had all kinds of fun sayings in the old church. I mean, how many of you remember old church? Y'all old enough to remember the old church. They had all kinds of stuff. It wasn't really in the Bible, but, you know, <laughs> you know they say, you say, uh, they used to say, you know, the Lord won't put more on you than you can bear. That's not really in the, y'all know that's not in the Bible, right? <laughs> he will put more on you than you can bear because he'll bear it with you. <laughs> Matter of fact, he says, cast all your cares on, on what? him because he cares for you. So he will allow more to come on you than you can handle because he doesn't want us carrying something that doesn't belong to us. We got to depend on him. All kind of stuff they used to say. And it sounded real spiritual and real good. And, and, and it would encourage you. Some of it would encourage you. I love that tight is right thing because there's things you didn't want to hear. Shannon, don't sit down when we're worshiping and praising God. Get up and give God the glory. <laughs> All kind of stuff. And don't, don't, don't go into church all sad and upset with, you know, pouting and everything. Shannon, this is the day that the Lord has made. Get up. <laughs> and if you didn't get up, then they give you one of those twist pinches. You ever got one of those? <laughs> get the twinch. The, the, they, they, they pinch you real good. And you got up and they said, Shannon, caught the Holy Ghost. <laughs> caught the pinch. <laughs> all the same, man. 
Y'all say it every week. Laughter is good like medicine. It's good to laugh sometimes. It's funny, man. One, a little kid gets pinched. He jumps up and the whole church starts clapping. They think he got the whole... <laughs> he fears God and stays away from evil. He has maintained his integrity. Watch this. Even though you urged me to move to harm him. What's that last two words say? Without cause. Say there's purpose. In my pain. Here's what James 5.11 says. We have great honor. We give great honor to those who endure suffering. I want you to think about the things that you're going through as we finish this message. For instance, you know about who? Job. We just talked about him. And the New Testament gives testimony to him. It says a man of great what? Endurance. How many of you know you need endurance for the next part of your life? You had to go through what you went through now because you're going to need endurance there. I pray just one person catch this today. The reason I'm having to endure now is because I'm going to need what God is giving me now over here. You can see how the Lord was kind to him, but when was he kind to him? At the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. In the midst of all of this, this is what Job is saying. I go to the east, but he's not there. I go to the west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he's hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. In other words, God, I'm going through this. I've got my friends telling me one thing. They're telling me I did this because I messed up. I'm going through this because I messed up. I'm not hearing from you. How many of you know that's a terrible predicament to be in? I'm not hearing from God, and I'm hearing from friends who are wrong. But here's the, the, the hope. But he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as what? Here's what I want you to say. Say, I'm in it, but I'm coming out. For I've stayed on God's path. Even though I can't hear him in this season, I stayed on his path. I've still been obedient to the truth that I know. This is important. These are just little things that are not even part of the notes. When you're going through something, you got to be obedient. If you can't hear God be obedient to the truth, you already know. Because tests, watch this. The enemy will use tests to make you disobedient. And God is watching. He's saying, even though they're going through this, they're going through that, in the midst of that, I still want you to stay on my path. Still treat people right. That could be a whole message by myself. You go through something and you use what you're going through as an excuse to mistreat people. God's saying, no, even though you're struggling, even though it's heavy, I still want you to love the way I love you. I followed his ways, not turned aside. I've not departed from his commands, but I've treasured his words more than my daily food. God knows where I'm going, even if I don't. You ever feel like you were without direction? Look, Lord, I need you to speak on this. I need you to tell me what to do. And he's silent. And he's like, I know where I'm taking you. So I want you to find your peace in this season, not in knowing the end, but in knowing me. All you need, if I'm, listen, God is the God of the universe, sees everything, knows everything, hears everything, knows how he designed you, know how he's made you, know, know what the perfect environment for you is. So he's saying to you, as long as I'm holding your hand, you don't need to know where we're going, you just need to hold my hand. Because as long as I know where we're going, I can get you there. When I'm being tested, my commitment to God, to follow God's path must be intensified. So it means that in the midst of the test, I've got to be more vigilant about staying on the path that God has for me. I've got to be more vigilant about making sure that I'm doing, and it's not about do, 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 but making sure that I'm being among the believers and being in prayer and being in my word and treating people right. In the midst of my storm, I've got to do this with more intensity. Because what happens, watch this, what happens is, is everybody else is watching you go through, but you're not changing. My highest priority, 
must be the value I place on God's word. Say, I don't need the opinion of man anymore. You ever have somebody talking to you and you act like you're listening, but you're really not? You, you know, you, they, they're talking and you're like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 amen, bless God, praise God, but you're not listening. When the enemy starts using people to talk to you, that's how you need to listen to them. <laughs> when you know what God said, you need to go, okay. See, see, some of us, we want to fight all the time. Well, God didn't tell me that. Just, just be quiet. Just let him get it out. Because you got to know what he said to you on the inside. The world is saying, just, just throw in the towel. Just give up. And on the inside, God says, just a little bit longer. Just hang on a little bit longer. After the Lord finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends. Now, God is to catch you up. We've had 40-something chapters of Job's friends trying to tell him why he was going through something. Have you ever had somebody sit down and try to explain to you why you're going through something? They don't have their own life together, but they're trying to help you understand why you're going through what you're going through. These were his friends. They loved Job, but they didn't have a clue. And finally, God says, I'm angry with you and your two friends because they've not spoken accurately about me. In other words, he said, you, you cared about Job, but you misrepresented me. He said, you've not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So in all this, Job had the right perspective, even though he was struggling. He's like, look, I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. I wish I, wish I wasn't born. I wish that, that on the day that they said my mom was going to have a kid, that they would have just disappeared. So Job was going through it. He was honest with God, but he never cursed God. So here's what he says. He says, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you. The one with all the bulls on his body, the one that's skin and bones now emaciated. Watch this. Y'all will miss this because Job wasn't healed yet. This is what you need to understand. Yet he's got to put his disgusting hands on his friends and pray for them. And some of us will miss our blessing because we don't like who's touching us. They're not, they're not good. I don't like the way they packaged. They look like this. I don't want them praying for me. They smell like this. I don't want them praying for me. Well, Job stunk. And in the midst of this, God says, the one you've been trying to, to, to tell why he's going through, he's got all these nasty scabs on him, and he's got to pray for you. Say humility. Here's the good news. Here's why I want to close. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. Isn't God merciful? He said, I could take y'all out right now. But the person you misjudged, the person you criticized, the person you told that he was full of sin, I'm going to accept his prayer on your behalf. So you can't get to me without him. <laughs> Here's the mercy. I will not treat you as you deserve. Somebody thank God right now that he doesn't treat us for the way we deserve. In our society of entitlement, we think we deserve everything. But when we look at our lives in the light of the cross, we don't deserve anything but for the mercy of God and the grace of God. I won't treat you like you deserve, for you've not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. And this is how the story ends. And this is how your story ends if you choose to believe it. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. I want you to stand if you can.
I want you to think about, here's the, 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 the side issues that really help you appreciate the story of Job. 42 chapters of suffering, criticism, lies from the enemy, lies about why he was going through what he was going through. 42 chapters that when you dig in and study, spend at most six to nine months of his life. Six to nine months of his life. And you know, Brother Des, the interesting thing is that after Job prayed for his friends, the Bible, if you dig in, you find out that God gave him 140 more years of life after that, which means that he lived longer than Abraham did. Why are you saying all this, Pastor? What seems like an eternity for what you're going through right now will not compare to the blessings that God has for you on the other side. If you got that, you praise God a whole lot louder than that. It may take you a long time to catch it. I don't know what you're facing as, you, as we begin to worship with this last song, and I'm going to come back and pray for those who are going through a test or going through a trial um, at this time. Uh, we'll pray after the song, but I want you to just think about the fact that your trial is temporary and your pain is pur purposeful. And if you put your trust in God, when it's said and done, he'll bless you twice over. Say twice as much health. Twice as much peace. Twice as much joy. Let's worship. Keep your hands lifted all over this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. Hallelujah. I want you to hear me. I'm just feeling the spirit. I want you to get that thing that you're afraid of right in front of your face right now. I want you to face it right now. For some of you, it's, I'm not going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. For some of you, it's, I think I'm going to die. I'm not going to live. For some of you, it's like, I just don't know how I'm going to face another day. I want you to look that thing in the spirit. I want you to look it right in the face. Because that song is full of gospel truth. There was not a day that God was not by your side. If he brought you to it, He'll bring you through it. Hallelujah. He didn't allow it to slip through your hands and slip through your fingers without having something better for you. You lost it so I could give you what you truly need. And now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up everybody who's hands are lifted, who said, God, I need you. I'm going through a test. I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a struggle. I'm going through something. God, and I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give them a revelation at this moment that you're bringing them out. You've never let go of their hands. You're bringing them through the fire. You're bringing them through the flood. I speak to their mind. I command their body to come in line with the Spirit right now and be totally well and totally whole in the name of Jesus. I command that those who are going through a mental struggle, Lord, that you give them peace in the midst of their storm right now in the name of Jesus. Show them their provision like you showed Elijah. In the name of Jesus. Okay, God, I'll say it. God said that this needs today to be the day that you stop worshiping money and you start worshiping me. I don't know who that's for. <laughs> stop bowing to the dollar sign and bow to God. He'll take care of everything you need. And it'll show up when you need it. Is there anybody who'd be honest this last thing says they need physical healing in their body. Lots of hands. I need healing in my mind. If that's you, get your hand up high. This is the one place that you don't need to be ashamed. 
The enemy doesn't first attack your body. He first attacks your mind. And he's been trying to take you out of your mind for a long time. But the Bible says that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him. So I want you to picture me grabbing your chin and focusing you back on God right now. He's your healer. He's your provider. He's your peacemaker. He's the one that will fill you with joy, fill you with peace. And your word is simple as day. Do not be afraid. Just like the Hebrew boys in the fire. You're in the fire right now, but the fire won't burn you. And when you come out of that fire, you won't even smell like the smoke you've been in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We don't seek to legislate the move of your spirit, but we submit to your way. Speak to your people now right where they are. I declare healing in their minds, healing in their bodies. Lord, I command that their self-esteem be restored in you. The enemies tried to tear them down, rip them apart, make them think like they're nothing, God, but remind them, Lord, of who you made them in you. Let them bring testimonies back next week of your goodness. We place a demand on your anointing and on your word because your word says that you're faithful to your word and to your promise. So we hold you to your word and we declare that we will hear of testimonies this next week, seven days from this day, we'll hear testimonies of what you've done this week. Help us to have the discipline to praise you where we are so that we can praise you where you're taking us. Forgive us for trying to be cute in our praise and our worship. And Lord, give us the faith to be undignified sometimes. Take the shackles off of you. And Lord, we ask humbly that you have your way this day forward in our lives. In Jesus' name, let everyone shout amen. Shout amen. Shout amen. Well, y'all don't leave until I get a chance to high five you or shake your hand and just let you know that I was glad that you're here. Um, let me pray y'all. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all you've done in this place today. We thank you for your word. And we ask that as we leave this place, but not your presence, that you fill us with your joy, fill us with your peace, fill us with your provision, fill us with your hope, fill us with your favor, fill us with your peace, fill us with your healing. Make us whole. Let us live with favor on our jobs, in our homes, in the grocery store, wherever we go. Let our life and our name ring with favor. Let our light shine before men that they may see our works and glorify you. I bless their weak. I bless their families. I bless their children in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.